the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. This week we're going to explore the question of how to raise a happy family. And I think most of us, um, regardless of the stage of life, really do hold a hope for a happy family, a healthy family. Um, and I'm so delighted here to have Dr. Christine Carter today to talk about what she knows about this. Parents everywhere know that it's not an easy task, but I think with Dr. Carter's help, she's a sociologist and a happiness expert at UC Berkeley and is the author of a phenomenal book called Raising Happiness, 10 Simple Steps for More Joyful Kids and Happier Parents. She offers classes and coaching for parents and writes an award-winning blog, She's been featured on Oprah, The Today Show, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, and others. Uh, Christine has also worked as an innovation consultant for Fortune 500 companies and has received numerous awards from both parenting and sociological organizations. I had the pleasure of um, hearing her live a couple of years ago when she visited Washington, D.C. and spoke to our community here in Washington through the Oneness Family School. So, Dr. Carter, I'm so pleased you're here with us today. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. You know, I have um, been been coaching now for a, a decade or more, and I often hear the people I work with, the working parents uh, with whom I'm working, talk about how much they really want to have a happy family. And you know, I've learned, Christine, that it doesn't matter whether their kids are you know, adults or their kids are toddlers. <laughs> this continues yeah. to be a focus of our lives. Um, so I'm curious, yeah. you know, the, the word happy is an operative word in your work. And I'm, I would love to know how and why you selected happiness as the focus of your life's work. Well, I, um, I started off actually just, well, first, you know what I should say is that I use the word happy as kind of a handle for something um, much larger. So I talk about you know, wanting to have a happy life and a happy family, and um, and actually, what I'm talking about is a, a life that is full of a lot of different types of positive emotions, not just happiness. So, happiness is very important. It's a positive emotion um, that takes place in the present tense, but um, but we're also concerned really with um, positive emotions about the past such as gratitude, positive emotions about the future, such as hope and faith, confidence is very important, um, and um, positive emotions about other people, of course, are the most powerful ones that we have, compassion, love, 
Um, at the Greater Good Science Center, we study global emotions like awe or inspiration or elevation. Those are some of my favorites. So I should, we should just start by saying when I talk about leading a happy life, I mean a life that's full of all these types of positive emotions, not just that present-based um, positive emotion. Yeah, I really, you know, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say it's really, it sounds to me like it's... Um, you know, it's a full emotional a range of emo- of positive emotions, but it's also kind of a a mindset that has to do with not just the present moment. You know, the "Am I happy?" question, but how you look at your life and how you look at the past, the present, and the future, probably too. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. So, how did yeah. you get into this? <laughs> well, I got into this. So I, I originally was um, mo- mostly studied creativity. And innovation as it applied to um, to businesses, and and um, that was a really fun job. Um, but and I and and very sociological actually too. You know, I was looking then at how certain um, and why certain businesses te- seem to foster greater creativity and innovation than others did. And um, you know, I helped teams become more innovative by changing their routines and their habits and um, their culture. And when I had um, my own children and I went back to school for, um, went to graduate school to get my Ph.D. in sociology, um, suddenly businesses didn't seem as important as families did to me because that was, you know, what was happening for me personally. And creativity and innovation didn't seem um, as important to me as um, happiness or positive emotions did. So Mm -hmm. I just made a little slight shift in the type of social structure that I was working with from, you know, businesses to, you know, more like families and communities and schools, um, although it all still applies, and the, and the types of emotions we were looking at. You know, I was um, really, I probably had a, um, anxiety dis- disorder. You know, I don't, I don't, it was never diagnosed, so I don't know, but it, I, I always say that I was, had an anxiety, anxiety disorder disguised as perfectionism, right? You know, I was, oh. mm-hmm. uh, very intense and, um, overachieving and perfectionistic, and it made me, I was pretty stressed and anxious a lot of the time. And I kind of, I just knew that I did not want, that for my children you know I had great mother she was very much like me though and I knew that at least some part of how I operated in the world came from what I had been taught by her in terms of what to worry about and and um, certainly my perfectionism and so uh, huh. not that I blame yes. her <laughs> of course wonderful. not <laughs> but I just knew that I needed to I needed a different skill set and so I set about learning that well, I, I mean, it's a it's it's a great thing that you mentioned perfectionism, actually, because I do think that that is something that many uh, high achieving men and women um, struggle with. It's sort of what what is good enough? You know, how can you be happy and at peace if you are caught up in this sort of relentless standard of of perfect? And I like very much that our listeners now know that this is something you found in yourself and made some changes because I think that that's something that people will really relate to, you know. And so I'm curious, you know, you you kind of made this choice to go in a different direction, Christine. Um, I'm curious about. Um, how does one make the shift from sort of the high achieving, um, you know, standards that have to be met every day, hard working, you know, hard work plus perfect equals success, right? How do you, how do you change the equation? 
Uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it is. That is sort of the formula that we're we're taught, right? Hard work plus perfect equals success equals happiness, right? That or that there's that that equals happiness part of it is implied. And I think the first step for me was recognizing that perfectionism is a particular form of unhappiness. That um, that formula that I was operating under, but you know the. The underlying assumption is that you're okay with unhappiness because, by definition, you know, perfectionism is never being satisfied with um, the, you know, either the status quo or with your performance or with um, whatever outcome you might be looking at, and um, and that that's a pretty unhappy place to be, actually. That that's that that never being satisfied um, is not happy. It's also perfectionism is also um, uh, you know, for me, there was a fundamental shift um, in my understanding of um, the difference between growth, personal growth, which I am always striving for and I think is fine, and perfectionism in that um, perfectionism is really driven by a fear, a fear of failure, a fear of disappointing yourself or other people, a fear of not being good enough. And growth is driven by um, a, a more positive force than fear, right? It's driven by a passion, a love of life. It's um, sure a desire yeah, to learn, mm-hmm. a desire to learn, curiosity. These are all positive things, and um, and so you know, at its very, very most basic, I see growth as being driven by love, and and perfectionism as being driven by. Fear. So those, Great those distinction. Were, that, those were the um, the big for me. Once I kind of could had some clarity around that and some awareness that that my perfectionism was I was basically loading into my sort of <laughs> my operating system unhappiness. I knew that I needed to find a different way to do it, and um, I you know honestly I found very reassuring in in making the transition from being a perfectionist. Um, the research around um, success and elite performers. Um, if you you know all all academic fields love to study elite performance, um, and it's been studied in you know many different athletes in athletics and academics and chess and you name it. You know the elite performers, musicians have been studied and. Um, and one thing that is, one consistent finding is that um, perfectionism is not a big driver of that elite performance. And often people go from being very, very good at something to being really, really great at something when they let go of that fear of failing, essentially, and learn to co- they learn to accept failure as a part of their growth process. And learning process and improvement, and um, and so they're just no longer driven by um, by that. So I knew that if I, you know, it's it's kind of um, circular in the sense that, or ironic at least, that in striving to be better, I was looking at research on elite performance, right? But it also kind of led me away from this perfectionistic tendency, this understanding that. If I was always striving to be perfect in everything, not only was I going to be um, unhappy, but I would also be a little bit stuck. You know, 
At Georgetown University in the Leadership Coaching Program, one of the things that we teach adults who are coming to learn how to be coaches right in the first week of class is we teach them, we actually teach them to consider that they are already great and they are beginners. And so we have them write down in their notebooks and their journals, um, I am a great coach and I am a beginning coach. And one thing that I love about that is that by introducing the beginner's mindset, we free people from having to be, uh, to prove themselves good because we embrace the idea that we're always growing, we're always learning. Every single day we have the potential to be a beginner, which is a far uh, greater opportunity, actually, than to be an expert. You know, but it's right. remind, I'm reminded of, of that as you're describing sort of this mental shift. And I, I think it's a, a fascinating and, and good place for us to be in our conversation today. And we just have a couple minutes before we take a break. But what else should we know about you, Christine? You know, just briefly before we, um, before we do take that break in order to understand the, who you are and the work that you do. Oh, you know, I mean, I think a couple of things in that, you know, that I, I have definitely moved past the anxiety and the perfectionism in the sense that I'm very, I'm very imperfect now and embrace that and have, you know, found a um, much greater happiness in it. It's not that I'm not prone to anxiety or overachieving. I'm still, like, that's still kind of, I feel like almost a part of my DNA at this point in midlife, right, that I came to all these realizations really late in life, uh, at least relative to my children and um, in, in adulthood. But that I, I really feel like we as a society, because we, have the, we have the science now and, um, and the knowledge to, to really know what leads to happiness, real happiness, deep happiness, positive emotions, joy, and um, and I definitely, you know, I want people to know that at the same time that I've found that and um, and I and great um, really ease comes from sort of understanding the, those cornerstones of happiness. I'm also still, you know, very much not perfect, right? I'm still growing and always learning, and there's an element of continual struggle. In that, that goes really well with what you were just saying about, you know, you're in, you have your coaches write down, you know, I'm a great coach and also I'm a beginner. That is exactly how I still feel. You know, I've been doing this work for a decade and I feel like in many ways I'm great at it and in, in other ways I am still always just a beginner. We are going to take a break right now, Christine, and I, I just want to say thank you for that thoughtful answer. We'll be right back. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. 
For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. We're hearing more and more about the cloud and how we're using the cloud in our daily lives, whether we're aware of it or not. How can the cloud help your business? Join Bonnie D. Graham every Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time for In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel, and learn how to make your business soar to new heights. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate, and today I'm joined by Dr. Christine Carter, who's a sociologist and happiness expert at UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center. She's also the author of Raising Happiness, 10 Simple Steps for More Joyful Kids and Happier Parents. And Christine, before the break, we were talking about kind of that shift out of you know aiming for perfect to aiming for growth and sort of the humility that that brings. And I'd love to actually talk about... Um, the work that you do with families, the work that you do with children. And my question is really, you know, what do you think are the most important factors that affect happiness and those po- other positive emotions you were describing in a child's life? Well, you know, I think of happiness as more like a skill than it is a personality trait. And it's really so, you know, or a set of skills. And and so the real question for me is what skills are going to lead to um, greater happiness for, you know, my children or what, who, whomever we're talking about. And there are, you know, there are certain themes. I, I couldn't say really what the, what the most important thing is for any, you know, one given person, but my favorite um, relate to gratitude. So we don't really think of gratitude as a skill either, right? We, we think of it as something that just arises naturally. And, of course, sometimes gratitude does arise naturally, particularly in conditions of scarcity, um, but I also think of gratitude as a skill, and two skills in particular, that we can teach our children and practice with them. And the first one is just the ability to count our blessings, to reflect on our lives and um, notice the things that, that we appreciate, that we feel thankful for. And, um, and the second, piece, second skill related to get gratitude is really the expression of it. Some people um, can know what they feel grateful for, but... You know, particularly children, sometimes they don't really know how to express their gratitude to to others. And so, and what does, are, t- let, let me stop you there for a second and just say, can you make the link for us between gratitude and happiness? Oh, absolutely. So, um, gratitude is so closely related to happiness. It's almost, you know, as I define happiness, it's pretty indistinguishable in the sense that gratitude is a really powerful positive emotion. It's positive emotion usually about the past, but it can also sort of spill into the present through a, um, state what researchers call savoring. Um, and when we consciously practice being more grateful, um, so or when researchers have their research subjects consciously practicing gratitude, um, you tend to see a, a, a lot of things happen. Um, most notably, there are levels of 
happiness and satisfaction with their life um, really skyrocket up. It is unbelievable. On average, people become about 25% happier um, when they're consciously practicing gratitude for a month or six weeks. And um, and that's really a lot happier in my, in my business. <laughs> Nothing works quite as well in my book um, over the long term as as practicing um, gratitude. So there are a lot of reasons why that. There are other benefits as well um, that probably contribute to that growth and happiness. But um, but it is you know one of those one of those things that that moves the needle pretty dramatically. And so in a family, a family that's practicing gratitude, what does that look like? You know, I like families to think about the um, gratitude practices as routines or habits or, or, you know, even traditions or rituals so that it's not always, you know, the, the gung-ho mom asking everybody what they feel thankful for all the time and, um, you know, because that could just be a little tedious for people. So thinking about ways that you, little tr- family traditions or daily routines you can have that incorporate the practice of gratitude. So really simple. It's, this is not um, not hard stuff. Um, you know, in my family, we uh, when we sit down to dinner, um, we go around the table and say what we feel grateful for. It takes about one minute. It's not doesn't take a lot of time or a lot of effort, but it's not something I have to prompt either. You know, it's almost like the dinner table prompts this expression of gratitude now because we've been doing it for a long time. Um, we also at bedtime have kind of a gratitude practice, and that. Is, but my kids have never thought of it that way. They don't think, "Oh, let's do our gratitude practice now." They, um, since they've been very, very little, have told me three good things about their day at the end of the day. I know this is, you know, both of these things a lot of families do already. Mm-hmm. Great examples. Thank you. Um, so gratitude is one of these factors, it sounds like, in this, the skills, really, as you put it, that affect happiness for children, helping them make that connection. Um, what else can parents do? Well, I think one of the less um, intuitive ones, is, uh, um, skills to think about, um, is self-discipline. So, um, and the things that kind of lead to self-discipline. I think most parents want their children to be really disciplined, particularly self-disciplined, um, but we don't often think about the relationship between self-discipline and happiness and the relationship between, and how parent, you know, how to parent for um, self-disciplined children. And in fact, I think our parenting is in many ways going the opposite direction. So, um, first, the connection between happiness and self-discipline. Self-discipline is really a foundational skill for happiness because um, it's, it's really it's one thing to know what to do to become happier. It's quite another thing to be able to get yourself to do it. So, you know, we, you know, we certainly see a lot. Uh, for example, um, I, you might, your doctor might say, you know, you should um, exercise more because you'll feel better, your mood will improve, and you know you should exercise, and you even know what exercises to do, but the challenge is really in having the discipline to do it, and, um, and, and so understanding a little bit about that process, and, and you know, that, that parents really teach kids the foundations of that self-discipline um, that they teach it to them indirectly and also directly, you know, through teaching them about willpower and getting into habits. But, you know, the interesting thing I think about about 
um, discipline with children is that, you know, it all starts as external, right? As parents, we, we are the external disciplinarians. And, um, and we don't think a lot about how our kids are internalizing our um, discipline and, and what's going to work and what, what's going to carry over and what isn't. And the big change in our society, I think, is um, related to play, actually. And one of the mechanisms that kids develop self-discipline on their own, we believe, is actually through unstructured play, having lots of unstructured time because they are learning to, they're directing themselves in their play. They might have a fantasy game that they're making up rules about and they're directing each other. And um, they're basically learning to listen to that little voice in their head that controls their behavior. And when so we with put it- them... Okay. Well, so so as we as we think about unstructured play, uh, what immediately comes to my mind are the screens that kids are uh-huh. using at very early ages. And would you include that kind of play in 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 unstructured no, play? I wouldn't because I mean, if you think about, I mean, maybe some kinds of it, you know, some kinds of it would be unstructured, but um, and certainly as they get older. Um, it, there, there's more possibility for that to um, take more discipline, but but really, you know, when they're when they're very young, what we're talking about is um, fantasy play mostly and that role playing and stuff because they're trying to distinguish between they're trying to learn to hear their own voice and um, and let that their inner voice guide them and. Um, and you know when we when we put them in structured activities, as wonderful as those activities might be, um, they they tend to be pretty structured. So you know they go to their soccer clinic, and their teacher tells them what to do with their legs and how to you know all their their movements. And then they go to you know even even going to an art class, right? The teacher it seems very creative and loose, but they're still being. Um, guided. Those things aren't bad. Those things are good. They they just aren't developing um, discipline as effectively as um, as play does. It, they develop an external form of discipline, right? They're doing what somebody else tells them to do, and it's not that that isn't useful. It is useful. It's just not that as useful for happiness um, down the line. It's useful for mastery. Um, and but it but the, the happiness piece comes with the self discipline, the ability to hear your own voice, to know who you are, to know what you want, and to know and to have the um, essentially the willpower to go after it, to be able to to get there. Thank you. That's a that's that's a good distinction, and and um, I'm glad to hear that emphasis on play, unstructured play time. Um, I know there's a lot of research coming that really is emphasizing how important that is. You know, I'm curious about. Um, well, here's a good question for us to. We have just another minute before we take a break, but you know, the holidays are around the corner, and I know most parents have had their child, you know, begin to think about, you know gifts and toys and things like that. What advice do you have for parents who are trying to raise grateful, down-to-earth kids in a consumer society like the one we have? <laughs> I have a whole coaching group, mm. and then we're, we're dealing with just that. Um, mm. You know, I, I think that the, the key thing is to... The kids will come up with their Christmas list on their own. That That is, you know, not a problem for most um, kids. And we don't really need to... Um, 
prompt those things or worry so much uh, about securing those objects as I think we do need to um, use this season as a, I mean, it's just so ripe for positive emotions and, and positive traditions. So really thinking about the fact that our children are going to get far more joy, actually, both in the short term and the long term, um, by giving to others. And, um, you know, we know it, it, but even just biologically, if you just look biologically what happens, you know, in the brains of a giver and a receiver, the giver gets the bigger, you know, helper's high, so to speak, especially if they're giving something non-material. They're actually giving something of themselves. So to start thinking about traditions that um, you can put into place that really put the emphasis on helping others, kindness, giving to others. I mean, there's just so many opportunities at this time of year that we can can certainly give you some ideas, but thinking about... Well, I like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. I like how you just kind of shifted the the emphasis of, of, of your answer from the getting to the giving, and I think that's a great tip in and of itself, and good to know you have a coaching group dedicated to this subject. There may be people out there who would love to learn more about that. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, um, Christine, I want to talk about a vision of a happy, healthy family. So we'll get to that when we get back. This is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. 
This is Kate, and I'm talking with Dr. Christine Carter today about some of the most important topics that we face, you know, how to raise a happy family and how actually to to create happiness in ourselves. And, and we mean happiness in the biggest sense, you know, the, the, the broad, positive emotional context that Christine was describing for us earlier. You know, Christine, before the break, we were talking about the holidays, and I think it would be wonderful to um, perhaps... You know, I, I'm struck by a couple of ideas all at once. One is this idea of perfect. Um, the next is this idea of uh, building the skills in our children that enable them to be set up for happiness in life. And to do that, I think, you know, part of what your story is, is suggesting is we actually need to create those skills and habits in our in ourselves, you know, and so as we kind of move into this next part of the show, I'm, I'm really interested to invite you to share your vision of uh, the future, and certainly, you know, you're, you are today's visionary, so you can go in any direction you like, but I would love it if you could um, help our listeners see what you can see is possible from the work that, you know, from the work you do and from the knowledge that you have, from the base of experience that you have. So I just want to invite you to share your vision. Sure. You know, in, in my work, I often hear um, parents talk a lot about what what really is hard about being a parent today and and in fact of course it is really hard there are there are some real challenges around parenting and working and everything but that for me my vision shifts from the sense of you know I love my kids but I hate my life is what I I you know hear a lot unfortunately in my work and to one where it's it's not just um one where we love our children and we love our family and we find deep meaning and satisfaction there, but we also really love our lives and feel deep gratitude for both um, the ease that is there um, in our parenting and in our lives, but also the challenge that is there, that, um, that you know, we have this... Um, uh, way of celebrating, how, you know, the difficulties that come as, as opportunities for growth. So, you know, at a much more mundane level, my, you know, my vision for my own family and, of course, for the families that I work with is that, you know, you know first there's ease that comes through effective habits and routines so that the part of our lives that is on autopilot, which is most of our lives, actually, you know, especially with... Um, children and family life, our morning routines, our bedtime routines, our dinnertime routines, um, that those those come with ease and opportunity for positive emotions, right? So that um, that we have moments in our in our morning not just of a feeling like everything is moving smoothly, but of real connection with the people in our family uh, and of um, you know, moments of gratitude, of course, in each of these routines. But that then, you know, sort of layered on top of that, we have the, we've, we've built the um, skills we need to be resilient in the face of um, inevitable challenge. You know, as we are, we cannot protect our children from difficulty. Life is very difficult and sometimes painful. And a happy life does not exclude um challenge or difficulty or even pain, really. A happy life includes a, a, you know, a fair amount of pain. It just, it just does. That's, that is what life is, is for us as human beings. 
and um, we can bring to that a sense of gratitude even for those challenges or, or hardships because of the way that they enable us to grow and to grow closer to one another, to our connections to other people. Our, they deepen our emotional lives and our spirituality, um, and they enable us um, to achieve greater mastery in, in many realms as well. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that compares to um, what, what you were thinking, I might say, but um, that's what came up for me. Well, I like what you said. I mean, it, it, um, it's balanced perspective, you know, and, and, you know, part of what I heard is, uh, you know, life is as life is, you know, you can't predict it. It's got hardship as well as, you know, joy and, and times of ease. And, and I heard you in your vision really describing points of connection, you know, throughout every day and the benefit of having some routines and creating ease through, Making things routine wherever wherever it makes sense to do that, you know, um, it's sort of freeing yourself up more for relationships. Right. Did I get that right? Yes, you got that right. That that I'll, you know, our emotional energy is either going to go into directing our actions and our behavior, or it's going to go into um, directing our emotional experience. Right? That it, you know, you you, it's hard to um, really control your your, to exert willpower, essentially, to try and just get stuff done, which when every morning is different or every dinner time is different, that's your, your energy goes to just getting the basic things done, getting the diapers changed, getting the food on the table, getting the kids picked up from soccer, um, getting your, through your email, whatever it is, right? And when, when that kind of get, that, those practical um, things get put on autopilot, um, we're, our, our emotional lives are sort of freed up for something else that um, can be a lot more rewarding, actually. So we can get all those things done without giving it much energy because we have a great a part of our brain dedicated to habits, and, it, and those habits and routines are really powerful, right? So if we can get ourselves into a habit so that we're, and our kids get our kids into habits, that's even sort of a bigger thing, um, then... And it just, um, it's, it's like we've converted to an electric engine, right? Instead of guzzling all this gas, we have all this um, extra energy. Yeah, I really want to pause us here because I think this is so important and not what we hear every day. Um, so, for the working parents out there, um, you know, I think many of, of us find that our days are so structured. You know, we have those routines. We get up, we get in the car, we, we're there, we, you know, we, we go to meetings, we, we schedule our time, we're delivering against objectives, you know, so there's this structure in right. the, in the workplace. And I think many people in my coaching practice uh, view home as kind of an oasis or a break from that uh, relentless pace and structure. And so it's very interesting in that context to think about what you're saying, that routines at home, rather than being sort of a continuation of a very structured life, are a liberation um, totally. toward relationships and I, I think this deserves just a little bit more conversation from us because um, I know that sometimes the last thing one feels like doing is um, delivering on yet another routine you know so <laughs> right. uh, that sometimes we need 
space to to you know not have a routine in that and and in our home life we can find that. I just think that there's a certain amount of stuff that needs to get done in a family life, right? That and that when it doesn't it when it doesn't get done, um, when we decide that it's time for us to take a break, we've because we've given all of our energy to our work, um, things start to fall apart. So you know when we. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it's sort of reflective, actually, of a, um, a lack of understanding of the brain, you know, brain science, essentially, around um, how routines work in our brain and how, um, how directed activity, conscious directed activity um, works, too. You know, when we do something, so say there's 10 things we need to get done in the morning before we go to work, and... Uh, with our kids and ourselves. And when we do those things in a different order every day and um, we get up at a different time and we change the rules a little bit, so some days we make our we make the lunches the night before and sometimes we make them in the morning and sometimes we do homework the night before and sometimes we have to do it in the morning and sometimes... We take the bus, and sometimes we drive to work, and everything's a little bit different. It's the same set of things, essentially, has to get done. You haven't actually really lightened your load in any appreciative way, but you've really dramatically increased the amount of brain power it takes to get out the door. So when, you know, you probably don't think about um, putting your toothbrush in your mouth after you put your toothpaste on it. There's like, there are... There's hundreds of little tiny micro routines that take place that, you know, when you um, put, the, put the coffee on or when you fill the pot with water, you then know um, automatically you don't have to think, now what do I do next? You just automatically get the coffee out or however, however you do it. And, um, and those things, it just happens on autopilot for us. We don't have to think about it. And we can just simply by doing things in the same order and doing things the same way day after day get a much bigger thing than just making the coffee or brushing our teeth automated. automated. And, and for our children, I think that this is a particularly important because um, life doesn't feel like such a grind for us as parents. So I always think about, like, think about the really well-run preschool that, um, I mean, if you, your kids are too young, you should go visit a really well-run preschool because, um, you know, you don't hear the teachers nagging, you know, 33-year-olds or 2-year-olds or 4-year-olds or whatever, toddlers to pick up their clothes or to, um, to eat their lunch. Or It's not that they need no structure and no reminders. It's that there's so much structure and so much predictability that it just goes into autopilot for... Um, those kids. So after the first week, they know that they take their shoes off, they put them there, they hang their sweater up, they know that circle time comes after the greeting, that free play comes after that, that and that just frees up energy for those little guys to, um, to play and to learn without being, um, you know, stuck in the interaction with their teacher, the negotiation about whether or not they're going to hang up their sweater or, um, or eat their lunch now. Right, so I think a lot of the times the things that we as parents get stuck in. I mean, that's an example of really little kids, but it happens, you know, well into when our kids are teens and just ourselves on our own. We don't even think about it. 
the ways that we make life harder for ourselves. You know, I think you're right. We don't. And you know, I, I had this experience last week when I was talking with you, preparing for today, and I'm, I'm having it again, which is, you know, my mind wants to swap out, you know, these little people or these little kids with these big people, these big kids, because <laughs> as you're talking, I'm, I'm just becoming aware, so aware that what adults need is in essence the same thing as what children need. And we tend to think of ourselves as kind of ministering to our the needs of our children. And, and perhaps we, we don't see the greater whole, which is that we all need the same kinds of um, structures, routines, space for play, um, rest time. You know, it, the equation doesn't change as you get older. Right, right. It doesn't. I think, you know, the, it, it's true what you've just said, that we need time for play and to, for rest. I mean, maybe for slightly different ends. Uh, mm-hmm. But we still we still need it, and we don't realize how um, what a limited resource our energy is, and our particularly our directed energy. That um, we just don't think of ourselves as as Be- people who who run out of gas predictably. At yeah, you know, you know at, we're going to take a break, Okay. We're going to take a little break, and when we come right back, we're going to finish up with a few more thoughts about what our listeners can can take uh, from what we've discussed today and other insights you may have. We'll be right back. This is Kate Ebner and Christine Carter. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello. Uh, we are in the last part of this fascinating show with happiness expert Dr. Christine Carter. 
And, you know, Christine, before we jump into this final segment, I know you write an excellent blog that people can read on Huffington Post and psychologytoday.com. And I'd love it if you could just tell me, tell me and our listeners where they can go to find out more about your work. Well, christinecarter.com or raisinghappiness.com, they go to the same place, um, are, is my main website. And so you can kind of see uh, everything that I'm posting there on the homepage and my coaching practice, if people are interested in that. And um, every month we take on a different theme. And so in November, um, tomorrow is our first, act, is our first coaching call. Um, and in November we're talking about holiday traditions and materialism and um, really raising kids who are um, grateful and kind and, you know, using this season to foster that and really and reduce stress, right? That's a big thing for parents is stress at this time of year. So um, we're not trying to just add one more thing. And then the habits piece that we've been talking a little bit about, I'm in a, um, it's not available yet, but I will be offering an online class um, mid-December about how to, um, how to make and keep a New Year's resolution. So that, I mean, that could be done any time of the year, though, right? So anytime you want to get into a new habit, um, that's essentially what you're doing when you're making a resolution, hopefully. Um, and that there's, we have a lot of great science, Kate, around how, how it works, how our brains get into habits and ways that we can kind of game that um, system. Well, good. I hope people will actually... Um look you up online and maybe even sign up for some of some of your classes and group coaching um and christine you know we were talking during the break for a moment about you know suppose uh you know i'm thinking of again my my clients and some of the stories they tell me about sort of the morning routine and the challenge of um getting their children you know up and dressed and fed and out the door for a good day and how stressful that can actually be mm-hmm. and so you know i wanted to just ask you you know with that list with that particular person in mind you know what what it, what if you are listening today and you're like okay i'm gonna do it i'm gonna start with some routines i'm gonna ch- make this easy instead of hard how do you get started well, I think that this is the right show to give this advice on. The first thing is to really have a vision for how you want it to go and to, um, and to you know, think about the w- one small arena at a time. Um, what does your ideal morning look like? How, how does that work? And then write it down. Write it down in 10-minute increments, which sounds really overly detail-oriented, I know, but um, I haven't found a way to do it any other way. Um, so to make sure you have enough time um, and and. Part of what you're doing here, actually, is so you're outlining the habit that you want um, you want yourself to be in and you want your kids to be in, and um, and so order is really important. It's not just a task list of things um, that you need to get done. It's that you know you wake up, you make your bed. The kids wake up, they make their bed, they get dressed, they brush their hair, they come down for breakfast, they clear their dishes, they pack their backpack, they brush their teeth, and they walk outside, right? So whatever that, whatever that is, um, and, and really, even if your kids are really little, they're going to really benefit from the sense of routine. And, you know, even if cognitively or developmentally they're not ready to really understand and you can't say, okay, order is really important to a two-year-old, right? But they will pick that up and their little brains will sort of form around that. So, you know, the mis- um a mistake that I often make and that I see my clients make is when we um, we shake things up a little bit, when we, you know, 
we decide to let everybody sleep in or we um, we do things in different order. Um, and, and then the habit really never takes. So I say get in the habit first, get a routine that's working first, and give yourself six weeks to really be consistent in that before you start shaking things up again. So, you know, I always, I always think about it like a, like a toddler's nap schedule, right? Once you have them napping routinely at the same time every day, then you have a little bit more freedom to, um, to change it up because those habits become hard to break. So once you have a really effective morning routine, then, um, then go on vacation <laughs> and come back, and it'll be easier to get into the routine um, again later. Does that make yeah. sense? I, I think that does make sense. And, you know, if your child is resistant, like doesn't really want to get with the program, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, you know, different. I, I, my main thought actually is to, um, is to resist bribing kids because they um, because it, it just never they never really internalize the routine that way they you know if you today you know we parents tend to give the sort of if you do this then you'll get this and, th- and there are definitely techniques for motivating kids who are, are not with the program that seem to involve rewards but um, but mostly you, you want you want to think about um, how, what will motivate your individual kid but from an intrinsic kind of a way. So, you know, my kids are old enough, they're 10 and 12, I can say, hey, that, how did that feel this morning when we were all stressed and you couldn't find your shoes and um, you forgot your PE bag or whatever, how, you know, and I can just sort of put them in touch with, like, w- w- what was this morning like? And, um, and then, okay, here's a plan. I'm giving you a plan and a structure for um, having a different kind of a morning. And and um, for the most part, ki- you know, kids, that's enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's great, and that, that's really helpful. You know, and um, it would you know, be very interesting to hear from people who are listening today who might attempt some of this, what actually happens and what they learn mm-hmm. from the experience. Um, it is uh, great to have this perspective with us, and I think, you know, also timely to kind of touch on some of these holiday issues as well. You know, as you think about, um, you know, as you think about the... The importance of habits, you know, I, I, you know, the the sort of discipline of creating a life that works, um, Christine. You know, what is, is there anything you would really like people who are listening to hear before we close? We have just another minute or so, but I'd love to just ask you, what else? You know, what do you wish we all knew? Yeah, I I think that the 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 mental image that I hold around this, just to take it back to our original, you know. Thing about perfectionism and actually get, finding some ease in this. The way the way I see this all working, and it's just a it's like a metaphor, really, is that um, things aren't all perfect all the time. But that you get these as a parent windows of um, vision of how it could be. So for me, it's almost like a, a drop of watercolor or ink on. Um, the paper. It might start off very small, but then once once it's there, once it's on the paper, once you sort of get this glimpse, this experience of ease in the morning, then you can consciously move that circle out. You can make that spot on the paper bigger. That it just it, you can widen it that way, and that it just allows for growth that way without the expect expectation that everything is going to go perfectly. Right. So the first morning. 
there might just be a little window of ease that wasn't there the previous day. It didn't go perfectly. You didn't stick to your routine in 10-minute increments by any stretch of the imagination. But, but you got a little window of, you know, you, you got to school three minutes early and had, a, had time to really connect with your kid and just say, you know, have fun today at school, and that it felt easy in that, a little bit better. In that moment. You know, you're really describing, you know, the growth mindset that we were talking about at the beginning of the show. And I think that Carol, uh, Dr. Carol Dweck spoke about on yeah. our show as well. And so, you know, with, with that said, I want to say thank you so much, Christine, for being on the show this morning and for giving us this guidance. I think it's just a wonderful moment in the year when we all need a little reinforcement and some new ideas. So thank you for sharing your vision and for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.